And welcome back to another week on the Stash It or Pass It podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Shugarts, and this is your favorite weekly report for everything crypto, cannabis, and culture. Crypto being our weather report, cannabis, the traffic report, and the anything goes culture report. Just to get us started off on a good note, folks, I wanted to share something with you. Now, this was shared to me by a friend of mine here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I live. He's actually an up-and-coming DJ. He's been out and about making the people move and making hips dance, baby. I am so grateful for his friendship. His name is Aaron Chandler. Check him out on Instagram. He's got some, uh, some big days in front of him. But he shared this with me, and it was called Ancestral Mathematics. Now, this is great. In order to be born, you needed two parents, four grandparents, eight great-grandparents, 16 second-great-grandparents, 32 third-great-parents, 64 fourth-great-parents, 128 fifth-great-great-parents, 256 sixth-great-grandparents, 512 seventh-great-grandparents, 1,224 eighth-great-grandparents, 2,048 ninth great grandparents for you to be born today from 12 previous generations you needed a total of 4,094 ancestors over the last 400 years wow now that's a lot to unpack and then it continues and it says think for a moment how many struggles how many battles how many difficulties how much sadness how much happiness How many love stories, how many expressions of hope for the future did your ancestors have to undergo for you to exist in this present moment? Now, I took that to heart. I love finding little gems like this just to remind us we're all here for a reason. And that's why we're here today, baby. And welcome again to the Stash It or Pass It podcast. We got a great show put together for everyone on the traffic report, we're sitting down with my man, Jacob Stoneburner from Stoneburner Wealth Management, and we're getting into the T's and C's down into the weeds of the big three, talking a lot of cannabis stocks, talking a lot about cannabis financials, and uh, also touch a little bit on inflation. Now on the weather report, you know, it's a little bit of a shorter show. I'm just hitting on a couple things going on in the uh, in the culture, if you will, of the crypto universe. And uh, we're going to touch on the things going on in politics and then also just review a bit about what Bitcoin is, what the Bitcoin network is, and uh, why it is a good idea to have some of your Bitcoin in cold storage. And on the culture report, we're getting down and dirty. Now we're having a good time. We're talking a lot about some very you know, uncomfortable topics at times, a little bit of racism. We're talking about John Gruden. We're touching on Urban Meyer again and uh, just talking about some personal experiences that, you know, Mike and myself have had through this journey thus far and uh, just giving a couple different updates on the culture report and uh, having a good time doing it. And our man Stash Adams blesses us with a beautiful mindful minute. So again, folks, you know the drill. Buckle up and get ready. Stash Adams. 
And next up, we have the traffic report brought to you by our friends over at Choice Kingdom Trust. And yes, that is the Choice Kingdom Trust app. And I got a a great referral link for everybody to check out down in the show notes. With this Choice Kingdom Trust app, you're going to sign up, use my referral link. You're going to get $50 in free Bitcoin by opening up a Choice Kingdom Trust Roth IRA. I personally use this. It's a great service. It's incredible what they're doing. Personally, I've rolled over multiple old 401ks from old jobs that I've had. And I've been able to buy Bitcoin with it, you know, other traditional assets with it, like Apple stock, Microsoft stock, AT&T, Ford. You know, I like a little dividend dinosaur myself, but it allowed me to buy a lot of Bitcoin, which I couldn't do in my old 401ks or in some other, you know, legacy traditional IRAs and whatnot. So again, this segment is brought to you by our friends over at Choice Kingdom Trust. We got a great referral link down in the show notes right there. When you sign up, use my referral link. You're going to get $50 of free Bitcoin, baby. That's from our friends at Choice Kingdom Trust. They're our sponsor, but they're not really our sponsor. Stash it. We're back, folks, for another special edition of the Traffic Report, sitting here live with our friend Jacob Stoneburner. How you doing, my friend? Doing great, man. How are you doing, Jeffrey? Oh, I'm doing fabulous. You know, sitting here, uh, smoking on a little uh, garlic breath, a little live resin, if you will. Pretty good. Uh, Enjoying that. And we got uh, Dr. B in the house. How are we doing, doctor? Doing well, man. (laughs) Hey, Hey, I'm happy to have the panel here this week. I mean, we got a lot to talk about. Like we were just saying, you know, everything's inflated these days. Every company's coming out is worth a billion, five billion, hundred billion. But the companies that are actually making the billions, those are some of our weed companies, Green Thumb, Cresco, Curaleaf to uh, name three. And uh, that's why we got Jake here this week. We're going to, you know, dive into the weeds a little bit. And uh, find out what's going on because, you know, we've been talking about them. Like we always say, this is friendly advice. This is a journey, not financial advice. But we wanted to bring our buddy Jacob on here from Stoneburner Wealth Management. And uh, just to uh, chop it up a bit because, you know, we've been uh, we've been buying, but it's time to harvest a little bit. It is. The fall's coming, right? Fall is harvest time. That's right. Well, no, yeah. Appreciate you having me on, JV. Um, you know, it's been long-time investor in this space, personally, um, firm believer in it personally. So to me, when those worlds can collide, it's easy to talk about. It's a great place I like to put my money. Um, I think the future of it, oh shoot, there's no, no greener pastures you can have as far as the stock market and something like that. Um, how about that train? We got a big old train coming through. <laughs> That's all right. That's what makes it Jake. Jake's out on his uh, his new estate. You know, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful landmass outside of uh, Palo, Ohio. So a little, uh, you know, we got a little traffic jam at the port. So Ohio is doing some work to get to get the bottleneck fixed. So we applaud yeah. them. They're helping the supply chain here. That's somewhere. right, the supply chain, baby. We need it. We need it. We need it. No, I mean it's uh, times are times are tough right now as far as valuating um, stocks, Morganas, um, just it feels like things are way overinflated, kind of right. what we were talking about. And so it, trying to navigate that as far as making money in the markets. Um, it's a wonky time out there, boys, you know? Absolutely, man. I mean, just uh, just today, you know, just looking at these big three, 
you know, Green Thumb is down, Cresco's down, Cure Leaf actually, you know, went up about 2%, but obviously, you know, it's end of uh, kind of the end of September, beginning of October. It's not always a hot time in the market, but, you know, just to talk about some of the positives, Jake. So a lot of the, when you actually look at these numbers, like what you see and stuff, because that's one of the things we like to share with everyone, because, you know, like we're saying, like these are huge green pastures for the future. You know, we're putting a lot of our money into them now. You know, I brought this up on another episode, like it was a, uh, you know, like a little meme or something on Instagram about Warren Buffett buying Coca-Cola stock at like four or five dollars. And now he's getting a three hundred million dollar dividend. Now, I'm not saying Green Thumb might turn into that, but shit, twenty five dollar stock now. And they are they're they're doing some work now. Oh, um, I'm a when I dive into stocks, I kind of look at the, the fundamentals of them. Right. And the, obviously, the fundamentals of marijuana is it's never been higher as far <laughs> literally and figuratively. Um, the, you know, just the outlook of it. There's three biggest states in the country. Eh, you can include te- not including Texas, but three biggest cities: L.A., Chicago, um, New York. They're all federally legal. And so, to me, that's the tipping point of where we're going as far as legalization in marijuana is that a month from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, I would, I would think earlier than later, but um, you know, these companies we're talking about, you know, they've already got their footprints across the United States. Um, A lot of them are in the limited license states where you can only have four or five licenses and they already have that um, little pigeonhole of that state of having one of those four. And so it doesn't matter if it gets federally legal or not, they're already doing a billion dollars in revenue and we're already, we're only 10 months through the year. You know, what's that look like five, 10, 15 years from now when marijuana is just a little more, not as taboo to people and it's more culturally acceptable. Not that it's not now, I think in our age group it is, but fast forward to us when we're in our forties and fifties and it's widely accepted. Um, you know, I'm on the firm belief that these will be fortune 500 companies. How would they not be? Um, you look at tobacco over its history, alcohol companies over its history, um, we're not talking two or three year time period. We're talking 10, 20, 30 years. You know, those become behemoths for a reason. People, people like their vices. Well, if I can provide you with a vice that actually has clinically proven medical benefits, then where can that take us? And so, you know, looking at these companies, the way they're trading at today, especially the United States ones, you know, they're, they're trading like they're a blue chip stock, meaning their, their price to sales, price to earnings are pennies compared to what they should be with most growth companies. Um, I think Green Thumb's trading at a price to sales of two to three. Uh, you go look like at a Microsoft or an Apple's, Apple, and they're like 25 to 35. Now, granted, those are phenomenal companies, but they're high growth companies. And so people are projecting in the future, their sales are going to be you know, way higher than they are today. Well, at everything we've talked about, marijuana should be 10 times higher than this day, but they're trading at like they're trading at they're not even going to grow at all. Um, right. And so the opportunity to be in these, to me, it's like buying alcohol before prohibition. Now, prohibition was almost 100 years ago. So you could be buying a stock that, you know, wait 20, 30, 40 years, but that's why they call it generational wealth. Uh, it takes a generation sometimes. People want instant gratification. Um, if you bought any weed stocks in the past year, you definitely didn't get instant gratification. But when you're investing and buying stocks, you kind of, kind of think of the long term. And, my opinion, long term isn't one, two, three years. It's five, 10, 15, 20, 30. Shit, 30 years from now, we're only 60. Hopefully right. to live 30 years from that. So 
know, when you look at that far out, it's like, how are these companies not going to be trading exponentially higher than they are now? Um, you know, look at green time, it's trading at 25 bucks. You gotta be shitting me. You know, right. that's a hundred dollar stock without any, with, if they just went off their price, their sales. Um, but because the exchanges are on federal rules, um, it's not very, uh, not a very liquid stock. I think, I mean, I think only like a hundred thousand shares were traded today. Yeah. Like, that could be one investor. And right. so it's just not a very sexy place to have your money. Cause it's really volatile. Um, if, if the market were to tank, those things are going to tank twice as hard, which right. would suck, but also a great time to be buying in. Um, right. it, I think a lot of people are just scared because of the, they think the, the federal government has a lot to do with it right now. Um, just the unknown of that, but everything I've been reading and researching, it, it doesn't matter if the government ever legalizes it or not. They're, they're already in the biggest States that are, have it legal and they can't take that back from them. Right. Um, New York hasn't even came up and operating and that's the biggest, you know, moneymaker that probably in the United States. So, um, you know, the outlook, as I said, has never been higher, literally and figuratively, but mm -hmm. uh, stocks probably have, or at least the prices of those big four, big five, or however many MSOs you want to look at, man, they just, they're not doing too hot. But like I said, it's not a one year investment. You're not buying pot to hope it legalizes in a year you make hundred percent return. It's, Hey, in 10 years, 15 years from now, I want 5,000% return. I want this $25 stock to be a $200 stock. That's the right. type of stuff we're talking about. Um, and that just takes time. But, or unless you invested last March and you're looking at today, of course, you're up a good amount of money, but um, that doesn't happen too often. Right, man. And uh, that was an incredible outlook. Uh, just uh, made me think of a few things, you know, when you're talking about, you know, just with these companies and people thinking of cannabis as taboo. And I saw this week, it was a Gallup poll that had uh, 50% of the country, you know, had uh, either smokes cannabis or has tried it before. And that was up, I want to say almost like 11% from the last time they did it, maybe in like 2015. And uh, so just to speak to a little bit about that and, you know, the same thing too, with what you were saying with uh, instant gratification, you know, this is definitely something that relates to maybe not our generation completely, but uh, the one behind it for sure. And uh, with some of the different crypto stuff that's going on, some of the way some of our, uh, you know, different internet apps work, or just, you know, a lot of things in our life have become, uh, you know, very convenient. And uh, so that obviously plays into it. But uh, that's why we like to talk about this stuff, because, you know, I agree with you as well. You know, I see these companies becoming, uh, you know, Fortune 500 companies, just like what I was saying with the whole Coca-Cola, Warren Buffett deal. And uh, the same thing beyond just like consumption and, uh, you know, medicine, you know, me and Reed have been talking about on here, even in the future with, uh, you know, hemp products and just, you know, how that can uh, start to get into, um, you know, even making clothes, making paper, uh, being, you know, fuel or making plastic, all different things that, you know, hemp can, uh, you know, also do. And uh, I think it'd be interesting to see uh, if some of these companies ever would go down that path. I mean, however big they get, or just some of the other, uh, you know, large companies out there would start to pivot or at least like get into some of this stuff. Cause you know, I know it's different from state to state and, uh, you know, we try to keep track of some of this stuff. So I know, like we were saying earlier, this, uh, it was either this week or last week, you know, Cory Booker and, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren, they, uh, you know, they sent like a letter to the U S attorney general and, uh, you know, asking him basically to reevaluate the scheduling of cannabis as a schedule one drug. So like to decriminalize it, 
And uh, by doing that, it would um, it would give states the ability to, you know, uh, you know, control it, you know, how, how they saw fit. So, you know, how you already have some states where, you know, it is, uh, you know, recreationally legal or medically legal. But like you were saying, I mean, the top three, the three biggest cities, you know, it's legal, like Chicago, New York and L.A. And uh, one thing I think is interesting where it is recreationally legal, there's data out that shows that you know, teen like smoking is actually down and like overall smoking consumption is down. So I think that's some, uh, as far as the taboo part of it and just to like, you know, open people's minds up a little bit about it. Cause that speaks to things when people talk about just legalizing all drugs, you know, this is like the big, biggest, baddest drug and it's illegal. And now people aren't actually smoking it as much. So go figure, right? Right. So a lot, um, a lot, a lot got, in there, got, a lot to unpack. I got, I got a story on the, the taboo part. I think a lot of the taboo or the unknown of it is just because we grew up thinking it was the devil's lettuce, you know? And so if you tried it or smoked it, you were look, you were frowned upon. And I think as we get older and more people have access to it, they'll realize it's not this crazy drug. Um, I'll give you an example. I have a client. She works at a big university, not in Ohio, um, on the East coast, well-known university. And she's not, she doesn't partake in marijuana. Um, we had, we had discussions on, you know, she wanted to buy some of the stocks, um, or, you know, invest in it. And she, she gave me a story about how she was out to eat with the president of the university and he offered her gummies. Hmm. Uh, and this is one, this is not a small university. Uh, this is one of the biggest ones. There is the president of one of the biggest universities around, um, openly ready to eat gummies right in front of you at a dinner because he knows it's not some crazy drug and he feels comfortable recommending that to you. He probably just was able to get access in a legal state to five milligram edibles, ate a little bit and was like, oh gosh, this isn't anything that I thought it was. And if you think of that over the next 30 years, as people just get more exposed to it, they try it, maybe get to have it in a drink versus smoke a blunt of it um, or, you know, have a little tincture instead of doing a bong rip. Mm -hmm. There's there's these connotations of getting high of, I got to either rip a bong, smoke a joint. Uh, yeah, maybe people don't want to do that, but if I can give you a Dorito chip and it makes you feel better for the next three hours and then you wake up with no hangover, I could see that appealing to a lot of the older folks now who are really against it. So um, as we, as it becomes more legal, I think the taboo part will go away because it's just going to open doors to people that didn't even know they had that acquired taste for that product um, because it's, you know, as far as like sleep, anxiety, pain, you can solve all of those and you can mm. go to a store and get it. And so I think once it becomes more either decriminalized or completely legalized and you can go to a gas station and get a drink of THC or get an edible, um, that's going to open up the doors to, you know, people like my, our parents' age or, you know, even my grandparents. They'd be like, you know what, might as well try it. They try it and you're like, oh, this is an appetite I didn't even know I had because it was so taboo when they were growing up. Right. To us, it's not taboo. It's, it's marijuana. It doesn't, it's nothing. But the older generation, when you smoke weed 30 years ago, you looked like, like a hippie stoner, right? Right. So once they finally realizing, hey, maybe we're not all hippie stoners and we can actually be functional adults, maybe smoke a joint once a night or maybe eat an edible or shoot, maybe help them calm their anxiety throughout the day. I think that will get rid of some of that taboo factor. Um, that doesn't help the stocks though, but what would help the stocks is if they decriminalize it. Yep. Then, then these companies can uplist meaning they can go from the shitty pink sheet exchange over the counter to you know, the big boys and the NASDAQ, New York stock exchange. And then the real companies can start buying into them. 
institutions can start buying into them. The hedge funds can start buying into them because they have more access, more liquidity. Until then, we're kind of handcuffed on, you know, exponential growth because they're sitting on over-the-counter exchanges and no one wants to invest in them. Right. Um, if any of these companies were sitting on the NASDAQ, New York Stock Exchange, they'd be worth two or three times where they're at today just from sheer people having access to them. Um, you know, Robinhood users, they can't even freaking buy green them. And right. It's a USA company making a billion dollars run rate of revenue and the, probably the most active investors who would get into it can't, don't even have access to it because it's not on an exchange because it's illegal. Um, but you could buy a Freya and Tilray and all those ones during the, uh, the, the meme stock run. You could. Sun, they, sundial or whatever they the fuck that shit. And those things don't make a goddamn cent. Don't make any all. money. Um, but their market cap is three to four times the amount of the ones now. Um, but that's just because it's the only way investors had access to the marijuana stocks were the Canadian ones. Right. And as we're realizing those Canadian ones don't have the same, they don't have the same ability the ones in the United States do. The United States, States companies have the first mover advantage. I think for a while people thought there's going to be a big tobacco company is going to go, you know, buy them all out or Scott's miracle Grow is going to buy them all out. We're now seeing that that's not possible because these companies are already so damn big in so many different states that they're now creating their own little niche in the market where a, a, a you know um, an a or a Marlboro or a, any of those type of tobacco companies they just they can't they can't compete with that they're already too far behind the eight ball yeah they got big money but big money always always doesn't solve those issues right so I think we're seeing these companies start are starting to develop into some some behemoths down the road. Um, if you're really into the industry, you understand that it, it's not going to be some big boy tobacco company or alcohol company that's going to come in and make this thing work. It's going to be the people who've been doing it for a while, understand the products, understand what the people want. Um, they already got the first mover advantage. And I think in the United States, that's going to be the biggest thing. Um, that's why the Canadian companies are kind of screwed because they, they don't have any access to here. Um, right. EGC does through a couple of, of their affiliates, uh, the BioSteel thing's actually doing pretty well for them recently. They got a lot of dudes in the NFL and NHL, NBA who support that. You know, so if all of a sudden marijuana becomes legal, it's pretty easy to turn BioSteel CBD into BioSteel's THC. Right. So them, they got a nice little alleyway in there, but the big guys already in the United States, they've already got their feet planted. They've already got run run rates of revenue of upwards over a billion dollars, and so. Um, the decriminalization would probably be the biggest thing for them to be able to just go bank anywhere, go list on big nat exchanges, and not have to worry about the government banging down on their door. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I think with decriminalization, that would also, you know, help with the whole safe banking act. Is that, or would I be wrong there, Reed? Oh yeah, you're completely right. We really don't need it federally legalized because right. it, as soon as they decriminalize it, then it's up to the States. Yeah. Uh, but on a federally legal, if it's decriminalized, then the safe banking can go through and because they're not banking on a schedule one drug, which is right. what marijuana and, is considered. Right and now. 280E would be irrelevant. Yeah. Because it it's a schedule one drug is why they have to pay higher tax rates. And we're, that's not even one thing we're factoring into is these companies have phenomenal sales. They're making millions of dollars a year and they're paying like 65% tax because of this. 280E because of the schedule, the scheduling of the marijuana, it, it handcuffs them on, on their ability to not have to pay as, I mean, they're paying an exuberant amount of taxes and they're still making money. Right. So it's just, 
if all the things could line up, they could, they don't even have to necessarily line up. I mean, they're already phenomenal companies, um, but sometimes the market can react. Uh, I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> You're good. But uh, what you were saying about, you know, it's not going to be the big tobacco companies or the, you know, an alcoholic company that come in in there. Cause it made me, so I was actually just out on a, a farm in Oklahoma where, uh, you know, the laws just changed in Oklahoma as far as how you can uh, grow it and whatnot. So, you know, they're really encouraging people to go out there, you know, buy a license and necessarily kind of get after it. But, um, you know, it was people that had come from California, Colorado, people that have been growing weed for 20, 30 years. But um, I mean, it was incredible, man. So they had uh, four farms, 500 acres. Uh, the farms called Dabbergrass Farms. And they had, uh, you know, people like a, like from Miami. So a lot of different Cuban people from Miami there. They had, uh, you know, this huge, like a bunch of people that were like Hmong people that were from uh, Minnesota. And they're like uh, vegetable gardeners, but they were really good at like doing different techniques with the rooting and whatnot. And they like brought them in and like, basically they were doing like their own farm, kind of doing their own thing and some different techniques on that farm compared to some other ones. And it was incredible to see too, because it's seasonal harvesting. So some of the people involved, I mean, it's like a close family, people bringing their families there for the harvest. And then, you know, there were some guys that were like living on the farm, like in their RVs that were like, you know, either surf instructors or like river coaches. There was one guy that was like a captain of like a yacht. What's a river coach? Oh, like they, uh, they like run rivers and like coach people how to, uh, you know, ride the rivers or whatever. But uh yeah, man. Like, Isn't that crazy? But, that's, in, that's in the United States and a few states over, you go to jail for have doing just having a few ounces on you. Yeah, I mean it's it's wild because even you're in deep shit. Yeah, right. I mean, even it's right on the border of Arkansas. So, like, even just being on the border town of Arkansas and Arkansas, the laws are way different. And so I mean they still it's like medically legal, but but uh are there any Native American? Sorry, are there any Native American projects going out there in Oklahoma though? That's what I'm not sure. Sh- I, I saw like some articles about some, but I'm not sure. I uh I want to like look into it more because I think it's like when I just saw it like at scale like that, because you know, this wasn't like a huge corporation, but you saw like how much went into as far as like, you know, if it was like all these different companies allowed to do it, how many jobs are involved and even yeah. jobs for the town, because they're like you know, contracting out different machinery, different. Oh, you got, um, yeah, you got irrigation, people that sell fertilizers and yeah, like just about anything you could think of, farm equipment. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was big industry. Even God, like, God, let's make that illegal, God forbid. Jeez. Right, I mean, because they had like, you know, rows and rows, like you're looking at corn in Ohio of like the actual plants, but then they actually had to buy out and like, all these other properties just to dry the plants. So like all these different buildings and stuff. And then, you know, all the ways like like different cranes to move it. They bought a bunch of different lights, a lot of heavy machinery. Yeah. So, I mean, just seeing it like that, like just through a different lens, like and all the different, you know, just a whole culture going into it. It was really cool. And just to see it, like, it's not a corporation, but just, you know, people like you and me for real. I mean, that's like when it really comes down to it, it was really neat. That's the saddest part is it's, how is that how is that legal in one state and then you and then if i'm sitting here in ohio i have unless i have a medical issue i have zero access to marijuana but i can drive two and a half hours north and go to a shop and take all my tax dollars out of my own state all because of for what reason you know why that they need to do something here in the future because as more states legalize and some states aren't how am i supposed to know if my medical card works in ohio or indiana 
why would if I have a if I'm prescribed something in Ohio and I go to a different state and I can get arrested for that? How does that make sense? Right. Um, Supreme Court needs to do a ruling on it, probably. They just need to decrim- they just need to decriminalize it, and right. that would they don't have to come out and say, hey, it's federally legal. We'll let the states decide, but let's decriminalize it so people who I have think, what are we saying, Reem? I think I think they are going to try to do something like a comprehensive bill, put it all into everything, which makes me think it's going to be twenty twenty two. Yeah, they want to they want to make it all pull all up into a legalization bill. Everything but, is in there and covered. Right. All it needs to do is be decriminalized because then the safe banking can happen. Then they can lower the taxes on them. Then the states can decide. And yeah, maybe there might be some one off states that are like, nope, we still don't want this. But I could still go there with my marijuana and not have to worry about ending up in jail. Whereas, you know, I don't I don't think you you're not really necessarily gonna end up in jail in Ohio if you have a little joint on you. But you can What's- get a ticket. It's interesting because in Oklahoma, it's one of the states where you can take your own like a medical card from another state and you can still buy it there. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah so that's like and so the, and the same thing with like they're Michigan really. You can yeah. Take so, your card from Ohio to Michigan, I think. But um, and it's sure. interesting, too, because in different parts of the country, the TSA is is trained different, like one thousand oh. percent, like oh, yeah. some some places in the country, like no big deal. Some places it's like, oh, my bad, like. I'll throw it away. Some places it's like, you know, like spread your cheeks, like going to jail, like, you know, like we're, we're, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You live, you live in a state that's probably like that. I know, dude. I mean, it's weird because in, um, because you're seeing some Republicans like come more around it. So that's like, you know, a little bit more of the energy in South and North Carolina because the hemp bills are a little different here and like kind of open. So people are just like, well, why don't you just legalize it? Cause in Virginia, they legalize it and they, they did something in, in to the extent where they like held off. So the cultivators have to be like from that state too, like local people and stuff. So yeah, that's thought, pretty cool. Yeah. And that, um, you know, so, so the licensing, it's not just everyone coming from out of state, like, you know, and I, I agree with that, especially at the beginning of it, but then eventually you just kind of got to let it, let the, you know, let the water flow a little bit, but you think so? I mean, it's coming. If you had told us 10 years ago that, Right. Ohio, you know, where we live in Ohio, I could go to dispensary if I had my medical card and be like, yeah, right. And so what 10 years from now, we're probably looking at all we're, you know, all this we're talking about was nonsense because it could be completely legal. But until they do that, you know, we're sitting here with our hands tied. Right. Because I mean, we were talking about this earlier, you know, from uh, there's cannabis confiscation going on from Canada coming into the United States, like up in Detroit, for example, but the weed isn't to sell in Michigan. It's to sell down in North and South Carolina. And it's like a stupid problem to even cause because everybody in North and South Carolina would love to grow cannabis in these beautiful hills and these mountains or like in my fucking backyard, you know, like why even like cause the demand to come down from, from Canada. And it's, uh, you know, the same thing's going on in Buffalo. I mean, they've seized, you know, this year so far over 55,000 pounds of weed, which, you know, I used to think was a lot until I was on this cannabis farm and saw that they're about to harvest like hundreds of thousands of pounds. So I was just like, well, wow, man. I mean, this is, this is, you're going to get your head chopped off in Dubai for doing this shit. Yeah, uh, Singapore, <laughs> some guy is getting hung because he had maybe like a thousand pounds. Right. I'm a trafficker because, you know, marijuana is the schedule one drug there. And he literally got sentenced to hang because he brought 
I don't even think it's a thousand pounds. I'd have to read, but a, a good amount, obviously a good amount of weed to deserve get hung. Well, no one should ever get deserve hung for having weed. Right. But that's still the type of environment we're in where right. you know, you'll have a country like Canada where they don't give a flying fuck about it. And then you'll go to Singapore. And if you had a pen, you'll go to jail. If you have enough weed, they'll freaking hang your ass because if it's, you're considered a trafficker. Uh, and so the quicker I feel like the United States can get on the right path of decriminalizing it, look, having it be like, yeah, we have this legal product here and our opioid overdoses are now down. Our actual real drug uses are down. Um, it's not going to, I think a lot of people think, oh, if we legalize drugs or marijuana, it's going to make the usage explode tenfold. Usually when people are given more access to something, they have, they use it less. Right. Uh, you know, maybe not in my case, I uh, probably would maybe. Well, I mean, there's data to support that. Like we were saying, I mean, in, in places where it's recreationally legal, you know, smoking consumption's down, teen smoking is down. And then, I mean, you can't like argue with that shit. I mean, no matter how much propaganda, but it's wild when you like think about when we sit here now, we're like, yeah, they're doing this in Singapore, like in Dubai, guys going to jail for 25 years for a CBD, you know, pin. And it's like, that sounds wild. But then you're like, how conservative was it here? I mean, we were sending, you know, people off to jail back in the eighties and nineties for, for life, for life, for life, for, for some joints. And I think for even, even if you were selling fucking a couple pounds for life, are you fucking kidding me? Well, like, and they're still in jail. I think that's where I think they're struggling with legalizing it is because then what do you do with those people? You Get know? them the fuck out of jail. Yeah, right. right. But also they've been there for 20 fucking years and they're right. like, me. If I was in jail 20 years and you legalize weed, I'd be like, you owe me retribution. Hell all. yeah. They owe them a lot. And so it's like, it's almost like they don't even want to fuck with it. Right. I know. Like, I know they're scared. They don't even want to make them give them the ability to become free. Uh, yes, we messed up, but if we don't rec- if we don't correct it, we don't have to act like we messed up. Not yeah, like typical right. government. Um, but I mean, that's can you imagine being in jail at all for weed, let right. alone the rest of your life because right. you had a ha- an ounce on you, a couple ounces on you, and you were selling? Yeah, you know, I, don't, I don't. Probably back in the eighties and nineties for sure. Um, there was guys in jail that probably didn't have a whole lot of weed on them, and they're stuck there all from some stupid ass drug laws back in the seventies and sixties. Right. And, we're, we're now almost, and we are, we're 50 to 60 years removed from them. And we're still in the same damn laws from the, you know, the war on drugs. Years. Yeah. The war on drugs. Well, in this, in this letter that, uh, you know, that Booker and Warren sent to the AG, they quoted uh, president Biden saying, nobody should be in jail for smoking marijuana. And he said that, you know, in, you know, in, in the debates and a couple of his speeches. And so it's like, you know, and this is a, you know, the AG is Garland. I mean, that's one of like Barack's guys. So you really like now it's like, I feel like a good spotlight should be put on this because it wouldn't take much at this point. And it's like, here it is. Do what you said you were going to do. And like, let's go. Yeah, they got like get these people out of jail, like decriminalize it and start getting people out of jail. Because I mean, there's one, uh, you know, how we know Rob Sims from uh, Ohio State, you know, him and Calvin Johnson in Detroit, they got a cannabis company primitive. And they're really active in the uh, Last Prisoners Project. And that is like a uh, nonprofit that's dedicated to getting people for cannabis charges out of uh, out of jail. And it's like, I mean, it's wild. Like looking at some of these cases, I mean, there's there's like I know Jay-Z is involved, too. But, um, you know, I share some of this stuff on our Instagram. But um, I mean, it's nuts, man. I mean, there's a lady right now that during covid so it's nonviolent crime you know offenders were allowed to get out of jail in california so she was out of jail for like a year and a half 
she's already served 15 years for, for a cannabis, like conspiracy, something, something cannabis, like, and now they're going to put her back in jail for like 13 more years. She's been out of jail for a year and a half because of COVID. I'm like, like, why don't you just fucking like, like sign some paper, like do something. Don't let this lady go back to jail. Like, that's insane to me. She's already served 15 years. They're, they just don't want the streets to run wild with the hoodlings <laughs> and the wildlings and the trashy people who smoke this crazy devil's lettuce, right? Well, right. I mean, but in that same state, California, meanwhile, that lady can't get out of jail, but you're like legally allowed to go like rob a fucking convenience store. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, come on, man. No, don't even get me started on California. But <laughs> right. They at least are progressive in a lot of ways that I feel like we're lacking. Um, you know, they've had legalized weed for since decade. 96, no, two decades, three, two and a half decades. They've had right. medical weed since the 90s. Yeah. Medical. Yeah. And what, we've had medical weed here in Ohio two years. Like, come on. Yeah. They're about 20. <laughs> it truly people. That's what blows my mind. And I hate comparing other vices to marijuana because uh, the feds hurt us. We're going to have alcohol legal and tobacco legal. Those are just as dangerous as marijuana, probably way more. Way more dangerous. But you can't get prescribed either one of those. Whereas I could go to a, a real physician. And yeah, alcohol should be schedule one. Yeah, if marijuana is. You know, no, no, redeeming, no redeeming medical qualities. None. Whereas the, this marijuana has proven facts that it does. Oh, um, yeah. Is ripping a bong five times a day the best way to go about? No, it's bad for you, but... No. I mean, a lot of, like where I've been using these rubs and stuff on my back and whatnot when I'm sore. I've got friends whose parents have knee problems, back problems, and they use that kind of stuff and swear by it. So, I mean, yeah, man, I, one I mean, example of alcohol doing something even similar to that. Right. None. I mean, you know, I'm a recreational user when I can, but also as far as pain, pain management, anxiety management, sleep management, you can't get anything better. You could be popping pills all day long. You're going to get hooked and it's bad for your health. Whereas this is a natural product. Um, you know, there's probably better ways to get it into your system than like we said, smoking a bong, rolling up blunts, you know, yeah, probably long-term that's not ideal. Um, but the actual components of THC and the plant, it's no denying that it serves med medicinal purposes. So what are we doing sitting here waiting for? It's like, they're waiting for some magic answer or some like, Hey, it cures cancer. Now we're going to, you know, now we're gonna legalize it, right? Well, they, or they're they're wait they're using it as like fucking leverage too, because you see some of this shit in like like the NBA, like oh we're not gonna drug test them another year. It's like go fuck yourself. Like they shouldn't be drug testing for them anyway. Same thing with the NFL. They're like, well, how about this, guys? Like if everyone gets their COVID shot, then you can smoke weed. It's like fuck off, dude. You should be allowed to smoke weed anyways. Like well, the NFL now, you know, they they used to test. The first day of testing was on four twenty. Like all right. right. Fun, sick joke right, they, dude. Yeah. they did it all the way to august well now now they only the only time they test now is in august so they go hey now you have two more months to smoke but we're still going to fucking test you it's like yeah it's so fucking backwards if something's going to allow me to sleep at night and it's not going to harm any of my performance yet you can prescribe me a pill or you don't care if i go to the bar why do you give a fuck if i go and smoke a little marijuana right. for whatever yeah. reason um, especially, if especially if you're in a legal state if i'm playing for uh like the super bowl that year when it was denver yeah. and seattle dude both legal states but if you go play in a different super bowl you're not allowed to be there with your your pot right, right? i mean 
I think they'll straighten that out here in the next decade, which is still asinine that it'll take a decade. Should have been done a long time ago. Right. Uh, you hope this Biden administration, you, you hope he can kind of do what he initially set out to do. Right. Um, now. Still got time. Uh, but yeah. I mean, if he wanted to get some energy in his campaign, man, I mean, he could <laughs> do that, man. It's... You want to turn on a lot of voters, say, hey, we're going to legalize marijuana if you vote for me. Should I vote? <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, it, would, it could sway my vote. Not because, you know, I, I love would have more access to marijuana, but you know, the restrictions it's put on now is so backwards that it it has to be changed. I mean, the way we look at prohibition in the 20s, we're going to look at this the same way and be like, what the hell is going on? I mean, like we're talking about Dubai and Singapore. It's like we were doing some very, very conservative uh, things here. Like, they, you know, we weren't having chopping people's heads off, but fuck. I mean, going to jail for life, what's worse than that? Yeah, right? Like, in solitary confinement and different... I mean, I don't know, man. But, you know, just to uh, change the pace a bit, you know, as we've been talking about this plant, you know, we do consume it, too. And that takes me to the strains of the week. And so I ask my friends, what, what, do, we, uh, what do we got this week? Reed? What you got uh, there? Man, I'm, on a, I'm on a little bit of a tolerance break this week, so I haven't been smoking much, but... Uh... Saturday over the weekend, I consumed some. I did a few dabs while I was watching some college football. Great day of college football on Sunday. That's right. It was. Uh, but yeah, while I was watching uh, some college football, I, I consumed some uh, diamonds, some extracts, uh, a little bit of some grape pie, um, some I think sour sour tangy. Okay, and this was a this was an old doobs and don'ts, and it was a doob. Uh, they were cold dabs. They're they're low temp. There we go, low tempers, baby. That's right. They're better for your lungs. You know, we don't need cold start. Yeah, yeah we we don't need the whole big uh big cloud generation to uh, continue. No, we don't. Um, what was I smoking on this week? I'm crying. I was with Reed. It's been a slow week for me moving. Right. Um. I threw out all my pieces as I moved. So the utility of getting high has been a little bit harder. Um, that goes back to if I was a dang convenience store, I could just get right. tinctures and not have to worry about actually smoking it. I could just enjoy the product. Right. Uh, and I could get specific strains that fit what I need versus just going to my local dealers and just having a grab bag of whatever he wants to throw me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What an asshole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm with you there. I definitely don't have the uh you know, the privilege or the convenience of, you know, going to a uh, a legal store, but you know, I'll give a shout out to uh Sherbinsky, the uh, Baccio Gelato 41 from last week. You know, that was uh the last week strain and it was you know, it was heaven in a wrap. I really enjoyed it. And that was coming straight from my man, Sohum, down in Oklahoma. Thank you again. I hope y'all are listening. Hope we're on the farm right now. Hope y'all are chopping them trees down. You know what I'm saying? Send but, some up to Columbus, legally. <laughs> right, man. I mean, we got, they'll have a uh, truck up. They're cooking. They're uh, <laughs> cooking. They're uh, growing for cookies outdoor, Sherbinsky. And then another brand was a Headstash and Electroleaf. But I actually looked up the Headstash and Electroleaf hashtags on Instagram and they were blocked. Uh, have you Instagram's pretty strict with yeah that kind of stuff? I've been we seeing that a, more and more lately. Uh, lately, yeah, they're not pro weed for sure. Like what the fuck? Instagram and Facebook are very anti weed. Yeah, 
we've seen the Instagram and Facebook seem to lean a little right. So it's not surprising, right? Yeah, you're right. That's actually a very good point. I mean, it really is when you think about the whole Facebook, like, you know, some of that, that Trump revolution uh, posts that were going on for a while. I mean, when they really try to act like they didn't know this January 6th shit was going on, like, Reed, remember, I was like hitting you up like, hey, like, I think something crazy is going to happen at the Capitol because like everyone was posting all this wild shit on Twitter and all their QAnon bullshit. Like it was I was like, dude, what's happening? And then I'm like, I'm out driving around in in, uh, North Carolina. Like I was doing medical sales. Reed's like, dude, turn on CNN. And I'm like, oh, fuck, dude, I'm out on the road. So I pull over and like put on XM radio and I just listen to it. And I was like, oh, God. Facebook allowed that shit to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was a crazy day, man right that's just wild as fuck i was like the day we all found out we realized that covid was for real and the markets were tanking i remember sitting there at my house watching that with you like when we were sitting there like holy shit like it was just still going down like a week of us just processing what the fuck was going on i actually remember us three like smoking a joint out on like the patio because we were just like well should we share it or should we just all like roll one And then we were talking about the market because we were like, well, it's definitely not capitalism anymore, but we could just stop it when it's low and we just let it rip. <laughs> and that was right when they started pumping money into it, right before like the huge crypto run started. And now we're getting finger blasted by inflation because of all that shit. I know, dude. I know. And that's why those trains were humming in the background, baby. Ohio is back to work. No, Back to work. Pete, dude. What's crazy, like, you know, we talk stocks, marijuana. What's really going to crush people is inflation. We've never, we've, in our, our lifetime, we've never really experienced like true inflation. You can have, yeah, we, you're not going to feel two or 3% a year. All of a sudden it gets five, eight, 10% a year. I don't even, I don't even want to be in an environment where it's like that, but it's like, it seems like we're inching to that because every month it's creeping up a little bit more. Every and, time I go to the store, I notice something, something I'm like, Holy shit, that is not Holy burrito costs 10 bucks now, dude. When we were in high school, it was five. So in literally 10, 15 years, it's doubled. Yeah. Right. Now that's that's probably about normal, but if we keep at this five percent rate, shooting five that's years, if you have cash in the bank, it lost a quarter of its value just because it sat in the bank. Now, how is right. that sustainable over a long period of time? And there's been long period of time where inflation's really high. We just it hasn't been a while. 70s is the last time, right? Where it was like a long run. Yeah, and here we I are. Think that's what we're headed towards. No, the I, 70s? I completely agree. I I think the economy is real stagnant in the seventies. And I think there, I think there's gonna be a stagnant decade. You know, I have obviously no idea. I don't have a crystal ball. If I did, we'd be on our jet doing this podcast. So it's that's not right. I have no idea. But you know, it just it seems like this is an an environment no one's been a part of recently, where inflation's super high, interest rates are super low. Well, we haven't had that in. happened like reed said the market wasn't that idea it was stagnant for uh, you know almost a decade and so it's like is that coming um you know last year in 2020 they printed a third of the money ever printed in the history of the united states in one year right and so like w- there's going to be repercussions for that our view and what i've read is that's probably going to be inflation they're going to have to make up that some way shape or form and we're going to see it in the consumer prices just shooting through the roof and for the people who aren't financially savvy, they'll never feel it. But all of a sudden, 10 years are going to go by and they're going to be way less wealthier than they were 10 years prior, all because of inflation's just crushing all that. 
And when you go back to stocks, inflation kills growth stocks. And so with all this inflation talk, what that does is it makes future profits not look as good. And everything we talk about with marijuana is about the future because it's not legal today. They're doing great profits today, but we're talking about five, 10, 15 years from now. And so if those profits look less than they are today, so what you do is you look out, all right, 15 years from now, what's the value of the dollar with inflation out today? You discount it back to today's dollars and you get less of a value. And that's because of the inflation is going to hurt those future earnings. Right. Um, and that's where people, so when inflation starts ticking up, people start selling, get out of the high growth stocks, high growth companies, you know, weed stocks have been getting hurt, but those aren't the only stocks that have been getting hurt. Anything that's on the high end of growth, where it's gambling, tech, uh, electric cars, you know, blue, the, the green space, those were all down the road, high growth companies. Well, they've all literally since February of this year have all just taken a huge slide down because of inflation has been taken up and that scares people for future profits. Now, I think like the marijuana industry, these companies are growing like hundred percent a year that shouldn't affect a company that much. Um, but it still can make people a little wary on wanting to invest in something that is not going to be as fruitful as it is today. Your money, unfortunately, is more valuable today than it is in the future if inflation keeps on going where it's at. And so that's like, all right, well, I'd rather have my money today than some unknown profits. Right. It might not even be there five, 10 years from now. So it's a, it's a weird time for everybody. It's probably the first time in our careers as young investors, we're all in our early 30s, that Besides COVID, we're in an uncertain territory of where the market's going to go. Um, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was always up. It's going to go up and innovating. we got stuff coming down the pipe, technologies exponentially growing. Does it seem like that going in the next five years? You could almost say it seems like it might be flat. Now, you say that five years from now, it probably could be up 200% from now. Right. So that's why it's the age old, damn if you do, damn if you don't, you never know stay invested don't right. lose more than don't put in more than you afford to lose um but also it's you know like hey, you know the upcoming months years they don't look that rosy um you know but who knows i don't i also don't know shit so um you know i could talk out of my ass all day long um and say say stuff that sounds good and a pandemic could hit at the end of this january and everything i said went to the shitter right yeah, you never know, man. Nobody I guess knows. that's that's part of this new uh, this new unknown. My bad, Reed. But the one thing about marijuana um, that we realized during COVID is it's it's an essential need for people. Um, and so if everything were to shit hit the shit the bed, people are still gonna be buying weed. People still need to smoke, just like people still need to drink their alcohol, smoke their tobacco. Might There's score no one for the black market though. And so once I think as, as this market becomes more mature and marijuana becomes more um, commercialized, these type, it could be a nice sector play as far as a, people, when people are scared of future environments or uncertainty, that could be a good place to have your money because at the end of the day, people still are going to have to get their marijuana. Now, it's yeah. so uncertain right now that it's not a great place to have your money in speculative times because those are the first ones to go. But once it's a more mature, developed market, you know, it's like owning a, a tobacco company or an alcohol company. Those things do well in recessions because yeah. people actually drink That's more, true. smoke more. Right. Uh, and so if we have more access to the marijuana, the marijuana, the weed, and we as time grows and there is a recession, you don't, it might be a great place to have your money as far as stocks. 
uh, or those individual companies because they'll probably continue to do well because at the end of the day, people will still need their their vices, right? Right. So they'll they'll find a way to get it. Um, and the quicker the United States realizes, hey, you could make a boatload of money off the taxes on there, like a, a metric shit ton of money. Um, the quicker that happens, the quicker we'll all be doing better. But we also, we don't need the feds taxing as heavy either because we still want, you know, mom and pop shops to have a shot too. Oh, for sure. I mean, shoot, you know, I want to start my own dispensary and I, I don't want to compete against the federal government. I don't want to compete against Green Thumb who has, you know, multi-billions. Right. I should be able to open up my own little dink and right. dunk dispensary, but, you know, that'll probably be my age 60 retirement plan and we'll be freaking open up Stony Leaf then. That's a, hey man, I think you just keep keep pushing, man. Yeah, one thing Jake has uh he was looking into doing that. You know, I know it's uh still a plan of his. But yeah, with what you were saying, man, I uh I feel the same way. I mean, we joke about it on here, but there's some truth behind it too, like with Amazon lobbying the government to you know legalize Which you is- know cannabis. I'm just like, well, fuck, man, like so what? So they can you know, push a bill through, it will support these big companies and they'll buy those companies. And then all of a sudden you're just getting $5 eights, like flown to you by some robots. Like, I don't want that either. Well, yeah. dude, that'd be pretty tight for a drone to drop off a little, a dime bag for you. Right. But, uh, we'll just end it on that note, folks. I'm man, Dr. B he's got to run, you know, he's got, he's got patience to see he's a doctor in this mother. No, I'm just kidding. But Hey, it's another incredible week guys. Thank you so much. And, uh, we'll see you Thanks next time, my friends. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, JB. Thanks, Jake. All right, y'all. And next up, we have the culture report brought to you by our friends at the Fold app. And yes, that is the Fold Bitcoin reward app. When you go down in the show notes and use our referral link, you're going to sign up and get 5,000 free Satoshis just for signing up. But the way this really works, folks, is you can also get a Fold Bitcoin reward Visa debit card. And this is essentially you are spending cash and earning free Bitcoin back. So it's a cash back Bitcoin rewards program card app. It's a lot of fun. It combines gamification and also integrating Bitcoin into your everyday life. So the way I use it is I will load cash onto my app or onto my debit card that I'm going to use to buy gas sometimes, or that I'm going to buy coffee, or sometimes even if I'm going to go shopping on Amazon, I'll go on my fold app and I'll buy a $50, $100 $250 Amazon gift cards, depending on you know what I'm going shopping for. Now, Christmas is right around the corner, so it's a great time. I actually just bought some Amazon gift cards. And you go on there, and then you will get Bitcoin rewards back for buying those. And then you can do that in a gamified way where you spin a wheel, and every time you spin the wheel, you're going to either get a certain percentage of what you spent back, or you might win a whole Bitcoin. But really, the way this is going to work is all these rewards that I've earned, I've earned hundreds of dollars of rewards in Bitcoin. Now, as that Bitcoin grows and Bitcoin is worth 100000 500000 a million, those rewards are going to be worth more than what I spent to earn them. So that's from our friends over at the Fold app. They're our sponsor, and they're not really our sponsor. Stash it. And we're back, folks. It's that time of the week, my favorite time, and that's a mindful minute with my man, Stash Adams. What's up, y'all? Good to be here. Good to be here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Week 12, man. It's been a, it's been a good ride. Um, today for a mindful minute, uh, we came across a good little, good little snippet on Instagram of uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Ricky Williams, talking about, uh, talking about yoga with Eli Manning in a little commercial they did. And um, basically, it's 
Eli Manning saying he's not good at yoga. And Ricky Williams goes on to say, uh, yoga is not about being good at something. Yoga is about being good with yourself. And, you know, I, I just stopped to remind for a minute. That's just, you could go a thousand places with that. But the way that I kind of took it first was uh, the one thing that you can't fake is the relationship with yourself. Um, you know, and you got to be careful about that because if you don't work on it, if you just avoid it, if you run away from it, uh, which we all do at some point, you know, in some way or another, um, if, you, if you're not cool with yourself, all your other relationships and things like that, like they might be okay surface level, but any like deep, real connection, you're going to always be running away and hiding from something. You know, the thing that you, you know, when you look in the mirror and you hide from yourself, the thing that you don't like to see that when people bring it up you get defensive and things like that. Um, those are the things that like you got to learn to face and deal with because it just comes up and manifests in so many different ways in life. And we end up missing out on so many great things, opportunities, people, uh, you know, we have certain things that we don't like about ourselves and we project that on other people. And, you know, it, it gives you a weird relationship and you just miss out on, getting to tap into this whole other world of people who you never would have gave a chance, um, you know, or relationships you'll never see blossom to what they could have uh, because you're just not open to that yet. You know, and I think being able to love and being open to receiving love, both uh, are two things that are, you know, incredibly hard and two things that take constant work. Um, whether it's friendships, relationships, relationships with your parents or sibling, um, whatever it is, you know, it all, it takes effort, you know, and you, you only get out what you put into those things. And, um, so yeah, be, uh, you got to fill your cup first, be, be one with yourself, be happy with yourself, love yourself, speak life into yourself, and then just let everything else fall into place. And that's it. And that's a mindful minute with Stash Adams. Thank you, my friend. Gotcha, brother. And next up on the culture report, we were running down a pretty nice list of different things. You know, me and Mike share things back and forth, but you know, as you know, Mike lives in St. Petersburg, Florida, and there was some really exciting news that just came out. At least I think it's exciting, and that's you know, Kathy Wood at Arc Invest at Arc Investment. So if you don't know who Kathy Wood is, look her up. Pretty cool, like big. Uh, investor and in innovation, a lot of different tech uh, tech stocks, a lot of stuff dealing with space. Um, but you know, that being said, she's moving her headquarters down to St. Petersburg, Florida. So let's go. Yeah, right. So I was just hanging out with some friends. One of them's a he's a professor of entrepreneurship at University University of Tampa over here, and he was talking about Catherine Wood moving to St. Pete in the Arctic. Uh, what is it, the Art Foundation and all that? Yep. And honestly, I was like, I feel like I might have heard the name, but I don't really know much about the lady. I was like, fill me in, bro. You know, and right. He's like, bro, she's basically like one of the two most famous investors of our like lifetime, right. you know, generation, era, whatever you want to say. Um, he was like, and she's moving her headquarters here. And uh, all of the things that bring that that will bring to St. Pete because St. Pete. So when I moved here in September, it was 
like a hotbed for people fleeing from COVID restriction, right? Right. So when I moved here, I think they said something was like on average like 200 people a day moving here, which is insane to think about. Like, oh yeah, that's a that's a lot of people. Right. And um, you know, St. Pete's an old little beach town, so a lot of the houses are old. You know, things like that. Like in a neighborhood, you'll have a a 19 55 little three bedroom, one bathroom, 12, 1300 square foot ranch. And then two doors down, you'll have like a demolished lot with a brand new, like, you know, five, $6 million um, <laughs> modern house, you know, right. like absolutely incredible stuff. And, you know, they both got a dock on the beach or uh, not on the beach, but they both got a dock on the, like the intercoastal and stuff. And, you know, it's beautiful, but, you'll i think it's like the housing market and stuff here is already like booming 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 and this is only gonna you know make you go a little more crazy so there's gonna be a lot of people who have been here for a long a long time who are gonna be able to make some money oh yeah um and i think there's just so much opportunity in the city for growth when it comes to um you know not only tech stuff but just like so much more health and wellness um you know recreation uh live music wise we've got some really great venues but you know there's always room for something different you know so absolutely it's a it's a heck of a city great place to be amazing people and uh can't wait to see where it goes we're just zooming out i love thinking about it because my dad saint pete beach was like one of the places he used to love like even when he was younger they would go down there like work the bars and uh, stuff in the summer be bouncers. So just seeing like, you know, just generations, how it's changing, but cause right now, you know, most people would think of it as like a retiree community, things like that. But I mean, even when we were just, when I was just down there with Mike and Ju uh, July 4th, like we were having a blast and it was nothing but young people. And that's what I think it's exciting to see. I mean, she thinks it's going to be like the next Austin and uh, you know, there's other companies that are moving their headquarters there too. And there's definitely, you know, some things that are attractive as far as like income tax and uh, different things like that. But, you know, all in all, man, it's just uh, I think it's more just more, uh, I don't know, more energy to uh, some of the stuff we talk about where stuff it can move and change. Like you don't have to fear of missing out on anything like stuff is going to change throughout our lives. It's not always just going to be New York City and L.A. And it's like here's even more, uh, more, uh, you know, more evidence of that. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, man, it's, it's it's just a great place to be, honestly. You know, you got the the great weather, great people. The food's amazing because, I mean, it's it's a pretty diverse place. Um, you know, and yeah, I mean, it's a it's a heck of a place to be. And now now we have to start to follow this story a little bit too, because it's it's actually interesting when you zoom out. You'll see certain articles that will like try to slam Florida, probably for like different political reasons and stuff too. And then like some articles are doing that because they want business to stay in New York or in California because there's certain, you know, they have ties to it, right. like where other people, you know, are going to make money if they stay or they're going to lose a lot if they leave. So it's interesting following media stories and seeing that because now by her doing this, somebody's going to come out and like, you know, Bro, the propaganda train, man. Yeah. It's just, just watching this thing go back and forth, man. It's a, uh, it's a lot of fun zooming out. Now we get to talk about it too. So, you know, that, that being said, y'all have some awareness, you know, if you get your news from different channel, from a certain channel, change the channel a little bit, try different things, you know, surf around the web a little bit. I mean, it's, you know, I would just say, I mean, cause for example, like we're talking about this being cool and fun. There's a lot of people are going to talk about this and like, 
just completely trash it and it's just like, yeah right you know i mean and they're gonna trash florida and they're gonna you know probably accuse her of like you know, i don't know like some weird thing in florida and whatever hey, bottom of the line get your news for yourself you know diversify what you watch and read right. all that stuff and then get out there and just live and you know form your own opinion and that being said about different news now last week and we talked about, you know, old coach Urban Meyer and, you know, he and that and let me correct myself. I said he was at Urban Meyer's pint house. He was actually at Urban Meyer's chop house. Uh, so I think Urban Meyer's chop house is actually in the short north, too. So but anyways, we're not talking about Urban anymore. And I've seen a lot of memes out there where Urban's excited. No one's talking about him anymore because now they're talking about Coach Gruden oh, and God. uh our our co our man uh, I don't know I mean I've met him a couple times I don't know if he's I don't know if I say my man but uh, yeah Coach Gruden stepped down resigned and uh, I would be very interested to actually read these emails because I think yeah. you know they're they're scared to let these come out because there's a lot of people he was sending these to and that were yeah. attached to these emails that you know are definitely still in power maybe maybe this was the fall guy they had to make an example for the future but I think these emails are going to come out at some point. And I think this is just the beginning of a shift that we've already started to see. But uh, yeah, I'd love to hear what you think, my friend. Oh, bro. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, they've got to be pretty bad. You know what I mean? Like they got to be bad. Like, Because right. um, we read the Richie Incognito text. Well, remember those think, Richie texts, like how how they would talk? You know what I mean? Yeah. Same. Well, you got to. Yeah. You got to think about this, too. It's like. He's a coach of, you know, of an openly gay player. Yeah. Uh, Carl Nassib, who's a heck of a player. And, um, you know, so all that comes in. And because, you know, I think Ryan Clark said it really well. And the way Ryan Clark said it gave me all the Dave Chappelle vibes from the latest stand-up. But Ryan Clark basically said, like, I mean, he wasn't going to get fired for just saying some racist stuff about black people, you know, right. you know, or whatever. Damn, like, right, right. He was like, he had to say something else. You know, there had to, you know, the, that's why the sexism and uh, the homophobia and all that stuff mm-hmm. that came in and that's what got him fired. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting take and a take that like, yeah, I mean, I could yeah. see. And he also brought up the point that like, you know, John Gruden, um, you know, always coached for teams where there was no uh, no one of color above him. Right. You know what I mean? Like no coaches above him, no um, no GMs or you know owners or anything like that. So I thought that was pretty pretty wild. And he was saying how he was talking to a bunch of um, high ups and you know white guys through the industry and all of the things and the resounding thing was that nobody was like, man, I can't believe he said that. Everybody was like, man, I can't believe he sent those emails. Right. You know, it wasn't, yep. there was no surprise that he said what he said. It was just like, they couldn't believe he sent it in the email. Right. And that's like, I mean, just goes to show you like where it is, where we're at, how things right. really are. And, uh, you know, you think just because you're out here chest pumping guys and, you know, you're putting all your work in with the guy, you know, some people just don't have, uh, don't have that whole, that same sense of humanity, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's sad, but you know, it's just, I mean, I think we're taking steps in the right direction, but you know, as a, as a black man, person of color, like it also, 
every time you see something like this, especially from a game that you love, you know, people that you've looked up to who are, you know, quote unquote legends, um, it definitely is a, a real shock to the heart and it feels like a step back, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely something that I didn't like seeing, you know, just as a, a football guy, someone that grew up in football, you know, who the Grudens are, you know, it's just yeah. part of, you know, this whole, this whole thing that's really been being built now since about, you know, since they started Monday night football, which I don't really remember the date on that, but I know it wasn't that long ago. So it's like, when you think about some of these roots and some of these coaches that were around then these same coaching trees are around now. And those, those are very tight circles. And that, that being said too, like some of these owners and stuff, it's the same families that originally had these teams, like when this was first starting. And so that's where I'm saying now, when you see this shift now, you have like players that are, you know, being able to become wealthy enough to own teams. And, you know, they were players, they weren't from like this, this different type of lineage. And the same thing with, you know, how you, now you see like more black coaches, like eventually there's going to like, you know, there's going to be black Patrick Mahomes is going to own an NFL team. I mean, that's what I do. Oh, yeah. You know, like guys like that, like he's already like partial owner of like a, a baseball team. And then, you know, just how things Jay, are Jay Z owns part of a, uh... Part of one of the NFL teams. Yeah. So it's like stuff like yeah. that is going to be part of this shift. So that's where, like, where we see these emails leak and stuff like this, where people are going to be like, oh, I can't believe that. It's like, well, no, like, I think everyone in the NFL can and does, like, already knows it. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, now this is going to surface. And then it becomes part of, like, you know, the show, like this political thing. And then you get all the fans and all this different things like that, too. And then they'll make it into something like, I mean, we'll see what happens, but I mean, overall, man, it sucks to see, but it's like, like you were just saying, like you're taking steps back when you see it. Cause you're just like, fuck man. But in the back of my yeah. head, it's like, well, yeah. Like I've been around coaches that, you know, openly said some shit, you know, like, I mean, yeah. it's, you're just like, what? Like, how, how are you coaching like young men? If you feel like yeah, that, bro, you know? like, so, how, like, how old are you? What year is it right now? Right. And that's that's another thing, too, about some really, really high-level football and all that. Um, you know, their blinders are on a lot, too. And, like, people like living in that tunnel vision and in those bubbles sometimes. And they don't, like, you know, there's some coaches that are definitely out there living in the 60s, so, like, in their bubble. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing, man. And it's, like, I don't know. It's, it's just a really interesting time because the – the two generations, like our generation and the one right above us are just so different. Mm -hmm. You know, and the ones right below us are, we're also so different, but very much the same too. You know, a lot more, a lot, I think there's a lot more similarities, especially socially, you know? Yeah. Um, that whole good old boy, the boomer era, like all the, all the stuff, like it's just, it's a lot different, like a lot different than the world that I'm living in, you know? <laughs> right. And I, I mean, I'm, I might be guilty too of just having on my like namaste blinders because I live in a pretty, like a pretty just kind of happy little world where, you know, I'm in the yoga studio smiling cheek to cheek all day and everybody's right. happy with me. You know, it's like just a nice place to be. And it's like a real positive atmosphere. But I realize everybody doesn't live in a positive atmosphere. You know, right. like some people hate going to work, right. you know, and like some people, you know, have bad home situations and they hate being at home. You know, it's me and my dog here. So yeah. we're, we're all good. But like, I don't know. For me, I feel like I definitely am probably guilty of that. 
in a different, in a whole different sense. Makes me think of a whole nother mindful minute, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, man, I don't know. That's wild. But uh, what do we got next on this uh, on this culture report? I mean, next up on the culture report, we were actually talking about when we were playing football because we saw a report pop up, and this was something that used to always make me feel uncomfortable, and that was, you know, when a guy would get in trouble they would have to, you know, usually cut their hair. Like that was almost like their, uh, you know, their, uh, their badge that like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know. Yeah. You have to get clean shaven, get your hair cut. Yeah. And it would, and it was always, so I was someone that ended up growing my hair out long um, when I was in college, but it always made me feel uncomfortable because usually, you know, majority of the team is black. And then, so like when a dude like got in trouble, I mean, there was more black dudes. So if it was a black guy and they're making him like cut his dreads off, you're just like, what? Like, it just was like, because when you think about dreads now, it's a different thing. Like, and it's like, I mean, and no one really like, I doubt a lot of coaches took the time. And now, you know, position coaches may be different, but you know, as a whole, when you would see a dude like come back one day with his dreads gone, you're like, whoa, whoa, what? Like for, for skipping class? Like, Like, man, I had to clean up my image, man. Yeah. Right. And so this what we were looking at in this article and it was uh, in most U.S. states, employers and schools uh, can discriminate against black hairstyles and activists are trying to change that. So it's like I remember when I was in high school, like, for example, like if you're black, like you couldn't have dreads like males. I mean, because it was part of being like having long hair. Like, oh, yeah, like bro. this is something that's been going like been- going on forever. Yeah, and it's been in the news a lot over the last like ten years. It just made me think of that. Especially over the last like five years, because it's it's pretty wild when you talk about like kids with dreads and um, especially like little black girls like in their hair. Like like it's yeah, it's a lot of the ways that they want them to wear their hair like all straight and everything like that, not have their curls and things like that, like damages their hair for good. Right. You know what I mean? It's like they're, I mean, for how many years, decades, they're not allowed to fight back, you know, against that kind of stuff. And right. um, how many opportunities uh, the kids could, you know, kids of color and things like that miss out on. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. It's a weird, it's a weird world we're living in. Um, it's like racism's like loud and proud and right up front and just like, you know, as visible as ever. You know, I mean, not as visible as ever. I mean, there's well, sometimes like, it makes me wonder if it was just if it's always kind of been like this, because then you can just see like how much more conservative, like, conservative, like even out in like we were like in the like when you think about like, the war on drugs, like the 80s and the 90s. We were talking about this on the traffic report. Like there's people in jail still now we're putting like we're talking about Singapore, like putting somebody to death or Dubai. They're putting someone right now in jail for 25 years using CBD. Perfect. I was like, bro. Man. I was like in 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 the United States in the '90s. Shit, probably even the 2000s. Bro, we got a bunch of black people in jail right now. Right for now, weed. for life. You know, like, and that that might crazy. as well be fucking torture. I mean, shit. Like, yeah. And it's, it's just absolutely like, insane. So someone like you know, I'm I'm so happy. I mean, we talk about this stuff a lot, but it's just like sometimes when people are like, "Oh, like I don't like see racism or whatever," it's like, all right, like. But if you like really sit down and zoom out and like think about some stuff and there, or if you see in another country they, and you're they like, they call that colorblind racism. Well, if you like think about that, like, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm it's just like saying, when like, you say that you don't see it, like it's right. like, uh, 
it's like a racist it's like racism in itself because you're not acknowledging uh people's experience yeah right you know right I mean? which is wild um yeah but no yeah i mean it's crazy because like that's what i've been talking about now it's like when you get mad about if you see some unjust shit in another country be like all right now look at that and now just change a couple things in that picture and it's like you're looking at some shit that goes on in the united states like right now or it has been or like there's people sitting in jail right now for like you know selling a plant that like now is like i was gonna say i when i said it's loud and proud as always, I was going to say, like, people aren't getting lynched quite as much. But then I was like, well, police killings and all those things, I guess that's kind of an equal trade. Uh, so, yeah, I guess it would be about the same. Right, man. And you see the same shit with, uh, I mean, some like, you know, solitary confinement, shit like that. I mean, it's. Oh, yeah. Prison conditions, for-profit yeah. prison, like the, right. you know, the, what is it? The prison industrial complex. Like, that's a, yeah, an that's incredible a business model. And talking about money, like, bro, I, I used to own a trucking company and uh, we shipped cars and stuff like nationwide. And one of the jobs, like it was a really big moral dilemma for me at a weird time when I'm trying to grow a business and make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the biggest contracts that I ever got offered, I turned down and it was like, uh, like weekly runs, picking up new vans for the prison. And taking them, you know, taking them to the prison. And I was just like, yeah, I just can't really do it. You know, I'm not, I'm not really for it. On the same token, um, my uh, my mom's partner, who she's been with for forever, mm-hmm. for a long time, you know, um, he's been a prison guard for shoot, as long as I can remember, since I was a little kid. Um, and you know, he, I mean, he loves his job and. People I know who have been in the prison that he works, you know, they're always like, man, yeah, like, Dave, man, your mom's dude is cool. Like, you know, I'm like, right. Yeah, bro, like, stay out of jail. Like, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird world because even when you're like a prison guard, like, bro, you're just like a low level, like an ant in the, in the little system, you know? Yeah. What I mean? Like, it's just so wild. You might like some of it. Like, I mean, when it's I was kind of watching... like a video. It's kind of like a video game. Like, do you watch Squid Game? Yes, that's what I was about to say. Like, when I watched Squid Games, it was making me think of that. Bro, yeah, it's like the people who just sit up there in the tower. It, it's yeah, right. I mean, dude, that shit was like, because the next season of Squid Game, they're definitely gonna lean into the guards. Because then there's an old, oh yeah, there's an old study in America that they did back in nineteen in the sixties um, in California, like at Cal. And it was like the Cal prison experiment where they had like certain students were the guards and certain students were the prisoners. And it was just like pretend oh, and how yes. quick stuff like that gets out of control. So like watching squid games too, dude. So it's like that X square um, triangle or whatever, or O uh, square triangle. Sign, go, yeah. Yeah. Go look at your PlayStation. Oh You're yeah. Gonna see those controller, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, when I'm watching that dude, I was seeing like, there is definitely a lot of associations. So on. many deep stuff, dude. And so then I was thinking like, man, this is the most watched thing in the world right now. So this is this is like the collective consciousness is this show. So I'm like a couple. Everybody's of Everybody's thinking about murder. 
Yeah, which is even cra- yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, because that show desensitized the fuck out of you to like bullets going in heads, blood splattering, people hanging, like making it like a game, dude. So it's like it was a game. Yeah, right. I mean, and then it makes you like think about the some shit going on. Here. And then in the in the end, when that old man was talking about being um, you get to a point in your life like when you're like a billionaire and you're uh, bored. And you're bored and like, so you can't even, you know, made me think about our billionaires and shit, you know, like. Well, they definitely probably have some weird shit like that going on. And that's like what I think about with all the little, you know, the pedophilia stuff and all that. Like, right. kind of, like, like they're, now they're just, yeah. they're like, they're hiding in plain sight. Like, it's just now it's like a conspiracy theory and it's almost like part of their game. Yeah. Now dude. we're going to sound crazy for talking about this, but. Oh. I hate it. Right. <laughs> I just like the internet and like Bro. people and like like as much as I just like love to just be like, yes, people are good and all these things. You also gotta know, like, yeah, there's a lot of really bad people out there. That's the whole balance. You know what I mean? Like and there's a lot how of are you people. gonna just expect for there to be just all these good people and just a sprinkle of bad ones? Like, no, man, the world, this place is balanced as can be, and that's how it works. And it's like it's so sad and that's why i think just you know making real connections and really getting to know people and keeping the people around you like close you know because you never if you just never really know who anyone is these days and it's 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 really something to have good genuine people around who you know and you can count on um but uh it's 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 great no, you definitely, you definitely want to have some good, genuine friends, like, especially as the world becomes more and more, you know, digital and, um, there's definitely like a shift going on, dude. Like even watching that, like that show just makes me think about so many different things and just, you know, the way government is going to change and like how that's going to affect, you know, not really us, but you know, for years to come, like it's going to be a little bit different and, uh, yeah. you know, all around the world. I mean, you can just see that with, you know, how China, like they're the biggest country in the world, have major influence. And like people are turning a blind eye to the fact that they have like a million Muslims in concentration camps right now. And they just call them, you know, re-education camps or vocational training camps. And it's like a known thing. And it's just a, and it's just happening. That's it. And it's it blows my mind because you just, you know, in the 80s, there might have been a billion people. Now there's eight billion people or whatever. And it's like as countries like that get away with doing stuff like that. I mean, it just, it shows you like stuff's going to be a lot different, you know, and you gotta, I like to call it out, but also sometimes dude, when I'm calling this shit out, I'm like, it's like scary. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> like I follow a state run China thing on Twitter. Right. And I was about to tweet at it and I was like, nah, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to do don't, it. I don't use Twitter. Like everybody one day was talking about, they're like, like oh china banned bitcoin i'm like you know what let's like let's like stop talking about what china banned and let's talk about what they haven't banned and that's you know a million muslims in concentration camps right now like the fuck Uh, what is it did you send me that thing where it was like uh snoop dogg and kevin hart and they were like not talking yes (laughs) that's how i feel right now i'm like let's not talk about oh you're right man i mean well Maybe I'll edit this out. (laughs) That's really where we're at, though. I mean, the fact that we're kind of nervous about it, it just. 
wild. It's a little different, but hey, it's okay. You know, stuff's gonna get censored a little bit. Stuff's gonna get taken down off of you know, like stash it or passes stuff already gets flagged. I'm like, for what? (laughs) But yeah, I know my uh, my dude Rabi here in Charlotte. He was sharing a lot of stuff, you know, around the uh, like free Gaza type stuff oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, free palestine and his uh all his stuff was getting taken down off of instagram wow. yeah i mean you're just like wait what like that's how you that's how you do you but then i can get on everybody get on. oh everybody's free palestine stuff was getting taken yeah down. that shit's wild how they do that about that stuff because that's yeah. like when you post about some free palestine stuff bro like they get pissed that algorithm flags that shit immediately. Like you gotta automatically like click the view at least. Right. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, there's more and more like uh, like health and wellness uh, Instagrams. They're getting taken down, or they're getting like flagged a lot, or they get like they change that algorithm, so it's just like harder to see stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting how that all works. Because then, like us, like consumers too, like we don't really know, and like we're not like gonna go figure it out. Yeah. But that's what's cool about some of the decentralization uh, and some of the decentralized um, protocols, some of these new things getting built because it might be able to, uh, you know, change that. Because right now, man, like when Facebook went down, Facebook, oh. Instagram and WhatsApp was all down at the same time. And that was Bro, like the world went crazy. That was two billion people's like tool of communication. And like in the United States, like that was like like all like like a huge percentage of like marketing and like how people, you know, small business really do their things. So I think it, oh, woke it was a lot absolutely of, nuts. Yeah, I hope it woke a lot of people. But it definitely did like in some smaller factions that work on all this, you know, DeFi stuff and all that. But yeah, the uh, on a big level, I mean, it was almost like Facebook was getting in trouble. They were on 60 Minutes the night before talking about how they were, um, you know, they had a whistleblower out talking about how they're going after our kids and like basically brainwashing oh, them and shit. And then um, next day, it's almost like Zuckerberg's probably like, all right, yeah, fuck it. Turn this shit off. See what they said. No, I mean, that's not what really happened, but you, you think about oh, it, right? He's like, oh, yeah. okay. Is that, is that how y'all want it? Let me turn the lights off for a minute. Oh, you're mad? Well, how you that. feel about it now? <laughs> uh, but then someone be like, oh, he could never do that. Like, he, he stole his money and like, shit. I mean, nothing changed. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he he turned it off for four hours. The world freaked out. He probably got like all these different, you know, world leaders reaching out. So he probably had a phone call from the president. Like, hey, man, what, what do we need oh, to do? Bro. You know Definitely what I'm saying? Definitely had a phone call. I mean, so that's that makes you think about big tech too. I mean, decentralization is a part of that, is because big tech talk about way, power, way too much power, way too much. And it was the internet was never built to be centralized like that at all. It's wild, so that's another another thing we will you know continue to talk about here on the Culture Report because we hold no affiliation, baby. We're part of the Stash Media Revolution. Stash Media, <laughs> Stash it, baby. And next up, we have the weather report brought to you by our friends over at Invest Voyager. And if you go ahead and scroll down to those show notes, you're going to see a great referral link from our friends at Invest Voyager. When you spend $100, you're going to get 
$25 in free Bitcoin. And let me tell you, folks, when I say they're our sponsor and <laughs> they're not really our sponsor, that's because they're not our sponsor. I actually really use this stuff and you know, I'm really trying to pass that knowledge along. And these referral links are great. And uh, it's going to give you a little bit of free Bitcoin. It's going to help me out too. And you're going to help produce another episode of Stash It or Pass It, baby. So from our friends at Invest Voyager, check out that referral link. You spend $100, you get $25 of free Bitcoin, baby. They're our sponsor, but they're not really our sponsor. Stash it. And welcome back, folks. It's your boy, Jeff Shugarts. You know they call me Big Stack Shugarts because I'm buying Bitcoin when it's 55K. I'm buying it when it's 25K. I'm buying it when it's 105K. I'm dollar cost averaging and I'm stacking sats, baby, because this week it has been raining sats and dogs, sats and dogs. What are sats? We've reviewed this, folks. Sats are Satoshis. And there are 100 million Satoshis in every Bitcoin. And there are 21 million Bitcoins only. And there are only about 18 million, really, that are still in play. So it's time to start stacking, baby. And welcome again to the weather report. Like I said, we're going to be checking in with our guy, Austin Barnard, next week. We're going to get down in DeFi. We're going to talk a little bit more DAOs, the little decentralized autonomous organizations. But, you know, this week, it's just going to be a quick rundown. You know, I spent a little bit of time this week. I was actually on a uh, modern encryption and Bitcoin uh, in that spaces with uh, Adam Beck. And uh, it was a great listen. You know, one of the uh, one of the main things that they were really pushing in this talk was uh, talking about, you know, all this Bitcoin that is on exchanges and, you know, getting it off and getting it into cold storage. Now, we've talked about cold storage. And what is that? That is when your Bitcoin is offline. And there's different ways to store it offline. So, for example, if my Bitcoin is on an exchange and that exchange gets hacked and they take all their Bitcoins, you know, it's a little bit of a different game. You know, we're not talking about JP Morgan. We're not talking about, uh, you know, Huntington Bank. So that's why there's a lot of uh, Bitcoin maxis out there. There's a lot of, uh, you know, different people in this culture that will always tell you, not your keys, not your coin, not your keys, not your cheese. So me personally, you know, I'm actually taking, you know, a little bit more, you know, of a step forward as far as the cold storage goes. And I've been, you know, I set up a Casa Multisig wallet. You know, we had Marcus come on the show and he's talked to us about Casa Multisig. And uh, essentially, you know, that puts your, your Bitcoin in cold storage. You know, you have multiple uh, keys to that Bitcoin. You know, one of them being, you know, through Treasure, Trezor. And uh, one of them being a public key and then also having a few private keys. And so basically, even if you are, you know, compromised, you have to use multiple keys to send that Bitcoin out of that cold storage. So there are different layers to the security and as there should be. Right. So, I mean, back in the day, you know, you couldn't just walk around with, you know, millions of dollars, let's say, you know, in cold storage or in a hard wallet. But, you know, now you're able to do that because one thing that Bitcoin helps with, like, let's say. You know, I'm living in another country, you know, where, you know, their money's worthless or, you know, right. Or I'm making money and they're just like, you know, printing so much money. It's just devaluing the cash that I have. Oh, wait a second. But no, you know, I still like the U.S. dollar a little bit, a lot too, you know, a little bit, a lot of bit. <laughs> but, you know, I can use the U.S. dollar to buy a lot of things, invest in a lot of things, and I can use it to buy a lot more Bitcoin. But let's say I lived in Venezuela, you know, things are you know, out of control, you know, you can actually store your wealth, you know, in Bitcoin, and then you can get out of that country. Or like we shared a, uh, a story this week, you know, it was really interesting. Um, you know, I definitely, uh, 
definitely uh, recommend everyone going and checking it out. But in Afghanistan, you know, there was a, a business owner and this woman was able to pay her employees who were other women in Bitcoin. And then when the Taliban took over again, they were able to get out of the country, you know, with their wealth. And it wasn't able, it wasn't stolen, you know, by the Taliban or, uh, you know, a lot of other things were going on there too, uh, outside of just stealing money and whatnot. But, you know, just some more examples, some things we like to talk about. And, uh, you know, this week, you know, I thought I would share, you know, I'm also doing, you know, it's good to review and I'm doing a 21 days of Bitcoin, learn Bitcoin and earn Bitcoin. And uh, the first lesson in this was called magic internet money. Cause when you go into the history a little bit, you know, it is a good one. I definitely recommend, you know, check out the book, digital gold, or, uh, you know, check out the book, uh, the Bitcoin standard, you know, they're, they're, they're very easy lessons. You know, Bitcoin gold is almost like listening to a, uh, you know, a comic book, you know, cause it's a true story about how these guys did this, but you know, we're just started off right here with a little brief history on January 3rd, 2009, a pseudonymous genius named Satoshi Nakamoto officially invented Bitcoin. Whoever this mystery person or group is, they managed to create the world's first cryptocurrency that would soon change everything as we know it. Formally defined. Now, this is always interesting. So this is Bitcoin with a capital B. And this is something when you start to learn more about Layer 2 and the Lightning Network and what Jack Mallers is building and what uh, Jack Dorsey is doing with, you know, plugging into the Lightning Network with Twitter. So now on Twitter, you can tip journalists. So me, for example, you can go to at jshugs76, 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 and you can tip me on the Lightning Network with cash, and it can be converted to Bitcoin and go into my Bitcoin wallet, or you can just tip me cash. So very interesting thing that's going on, but that is tied back to, now this is Bitcoin with a capital B, is a global, borderless, decentralized protocol that enables the peer-to-peer -peer exchange of the Bitcoin currency, lowercase b, which has a fixed max supply and a known decreasing insuance rate. It allows us to send money to anyone, anywhere in the world without the need for intermediary, third party, you know, someone you have to trust. Bitcoin doesn't aim to do anything innovative. Rather, it offers an improved alternative to the existing inequitable, inaccessible, and inflationary financial system. By decentralizing finance, we are progressively simplifying a system so complex that it locks out nearly 2 billion people worldwide, and it's turning it into a permissionless network that anyone can be a part of. Now, think about that for a second. Anyone can be a part of this network. If I want to be a part of a bank or if I want to be a part, you know, even, you know, get a bank account, there's a lot of things that go into that. There's a lot of privileges that go into that. Now, anybody in this world, there are 8 billion people in this world, but there are 1.5 billion people that do not have access to the financial system like me and you do, or like a lot of the people on this, this uh, podcast might be listening to. Now, think about when those 1.5 billion million... <laughs> Excuse me. Now, just think when those 1.5 billion people get plugged into this network over the next four years, what's going to happen with Bitcoin? Now, just, just think about that. But again, now start to grasp the idea of Bitcoin with a capital B. 
is a global borderless decentralized protocol that enables the peer-to-peer exchange of the Bitcoin currency, lowercase b. I don't know if that blew your mind, but when you really get to drill down, learn a little bit about the Lightning Network layer two and how that is operating, it's uh, it's exciting. And that is some of the things, that's what's getting people like Jack Dorsey very excited and people that are building on the Lightning Network. So uh, decentralized finance on Bitcoin, baby, I'm about it. Stash it. And next up, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, our guy in the White House. His name is uh, President Joe Biden. You know, I think uh, everyone's probably heard of, heard of him by now. But uh, so the Biden administration, you know, they are putting together a team because they want to learn more about crypto. And uh, I think it's really interesting, though. Uh, there are some uh, some good articles that came out. You can read a good uh, good one from Bloomberg. But uh, all you really have to do is uh, Google, you know, Joe Biden wants to learn crypto. And uh, the article should pop up. But interesting enough, you know, he has a direct special assistant, someone that he actually trusts and, you know, talks with a lot. His name is Tim Wu. You know, Tim Wu is, you know, his a direct assistant and, uh, you know, gives him advice around, you know, tech, the, comp- the competition around the world uh, as far as technology goes. And, uh, you know, he was recused from being in this group or within this discussion because he owns Bitcoin. And I just think it's, uh, you know, kind of crazy. It's like, oh, hey, the president wants to learn about cryptocurrency. So the one guy on his administration who actually knows a lot about it, we're going to actually ask him to leave the room. I don't know. I don't get it. But that being said, you know, like we said last week, Senator Loomis, who is on the Senate Budget Committee, uh, she just, you know, bought $100,000 in Bitcoin. You know, there's some other big buys going on out there and, uh, you know, myself included. But just to uh, slide through here, just to uh, review here a couple of our, uh, you know, stash it picks that we've been uh, hodling, if you will. And we've been talking about hodling, H-O-D-L, and it really just means hold. So like when you buy something, you hold it. But in crypto world or, you know, A lot of Bitcoin maxis don't like when I say crypto. So in crypto world, we hodling, baby. We hodling and we waddling because we got so many coins in our pockets. I can barely keep my pants on. (laughs) Just kidding. But let's just talk about a couple of these real quick. Like we said, Bitcoin is cruising at about a $57,500 or so. It's been kind of teetering those lines from 55K up to 58k you know right now for the week we're up about seven percent you know for the month we're up about 28 percent you know for the for the day however you know a little stagnant but you know like we keep saying folks we are one 10k green candle away from new all-time highs another one that we're stashing is the ftx token and that is called ftt now what is the ftx token ftx is the ftx exchange you know, headed by their CEO, Sam Bankman Fried. And we talk about them a lot on this show as well. You know, I'm a big fan. I actually just uh, transferred some Solano, some Soul, 
and uh, some Bitcoin off of my Binance exchange and I put it into my Solana or I put it into my FTX exchange. And uh, what's great on that FTX exchange, I'm earning 8% interest on the Bitcoin and the Sol right now. So I know there's some some things being changed around on there, but uh, you know, as of right now, that's my understanding is uh, I'm getting a nice little return on that. So excited to uh, keep checking that out. I'll probably start to buy you know my new Sol. I'm going to buy it on the FTX exchange. Uh, and so speaking of Sol, we can go on to uh, to that token right now. And it is it's gained some uh, some leeway, not much, you know, for the week. We're still down about three percent on the day. However, we're up about one percent. So we're sitting at about one hundred and forty nine dollars, you know, for the month, still down about eleven percent. Now we know about Seoul and, you know, they actually broke two hundred bucks and we were feeling great. But then, you know, it got so popular so fast. And this happens with lots of exchanges. But, you know, they're not necessarily an exchange, though. But uh, so this happens. And, you know, they had so many people going there, cashing in, cashing out and whatnot. You know, it crashed. But, uh, you know, I'm still I'm still a believer. I'm still buying and I'm still holding. And that's soul, baby. We started buying it up uh, pretty early. So I got to uh, hold my ground there. And then also. So what I've done, you know, I, when I actually bought that FTT, uh, the FTX token, I had to buy it with Solana. And uh, so you see the same thing when you go on the Ethereum, you know, protocol and you're on there and you have to buy certain coins in Ethereum and swap them and do different things like that. Kind of the same deal with uh, the Solana protocol. So, you know, I go on the Solana protocol. I have a rate. I have a uh, I have a phantom wallet and then I go on there and I buy their different tokens and then I put them into you know, liquidity pools where I can you know earn a yield and I can stake tokens and earn rewards as well. And, uh, you know, it's a really cool deal. So, you know, I also own on that network, it's called Ray, and then uh, also own Cope. But uh, don't really even track those. They're just kind of, you know, part of my uh, research uh, right now. And then I can actually track all of my, you know, DeFi endeavors on what is called APE, A-P-E, the APE board, B-O-A-R-D, apeboard.com. And it's a great way when you start taking uh, taking yourself down that DeFi path to uh, you know track what you got going on. Uh, so next up here on our list that we are holding. So since we're talking about DeFi, we should probably talk about our Luna. And uh, right now, Luna's sitting at about thirty seven dollars. You know, for the week, we're still we are down and we are down, down, down. We're we're down about twenty percent. Uh, for the month, we're about even. So, uh, you know, Luna last week was really taking off. You know, we even uh, almost hit like 50, uh, 50 bucks there. So same type of deal. You know, I am uh, accumulating these. I've been dollar cost averaging into Luna, you know, bought a lot of Luna with a lot of profits I had from Ethereum. So uh, we're enjoying this ride. We're uh, surely going to learn from it. You know, we're uh, having to do a lot of our own research, but, uh, you know, we also have some friends in the space now. Um, so I do encourage you if you if you're interested in this stuff and you get into it and uh, have some friends that uh, have knowledge around it, you know, pick their brains a little bit, have some fun with it. It is uh, it is uh, quite the time to be alive. So uh, next up on our list, we have our Voyager token. <laughs> and, you know, I do love that Voyager exchange. You know, I love using that app. I own their stock. Go check out the referral link. As you have heard, you know, they are. Not our sponsor, but uh, they're our sponsor, but they're not our sponsor. And uh, their uh, coin is hanging out at about $2.50 for the week. It's up about 11%. 
for the day down about 3%, you know, and it's hanging out at about the same price it's been for a month. And, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing how that, uh, that business goes, that exchange. But it's one of those things where we're talking about getting some of your Bitcoin off the exchanges and into cold storage. You know, I say that because, you know, I see it on CNBC. I see it on Twitter. People talk about Voyager owning 14,000 Bitcoins. And I'm like, what? Like, that's talking like $600 million, $700 million of Bitcoin. I'm like, uh, absolutely not. So just by that's the amount of coins they custody on their exchange, which is, you know, cool. That's great. But the fact that they're promoting or it gets promoted that they own that, I'm just like, well, there's the evidence that, you know, all the Bitcoin maxis that yell at me for saying the word crypto, they're like, well, we told you so. And I'm like, yeah, you told me right. So that's why, you know, I've been, you know, I got some Bitcoin in cold storage and, you know, it's a good, it's a good time. And, you know, that being said, I've onboarded, you know, family and friends on the Voyager. I myself have a nice account on Voyager, you know, the love of my life, you know, over here, over my shoulder, you know, she has published four books. Her new book is out. Her name's Kelsey Aida. Go to KelseyAida.com. Check out her newest book. It's called Letters to the Universe. But, you know, I got her on Voyager too. And, uh, you know, it's been a good time. So not hating Voyager, but right now I'm not enjoying the, uh, the ride. But that's part of this, right? We have to be poised. We have to drink a lot of water because, you know, sometimes it's going to get hot in the kitchen, baby. And uh, you got to stay hydrated. So next up on the list, we have Ethereum. And like I actually said, you know, we still, you know, as a family, uh, we own quite a quite quite a nice nice amount of Ethereum. But like I said, I sold a lot of my Ethereum. Um, but you know, again, Ethereum, I love it. You know, I get on the Ethereum blockchain. I hang out on Zed Run. Zed Run is a really cool protocol built on Ethereum, where we have digital NFT racehorses, and they're just running their little hearts out, folks. And it's it's beautiful. So Ethereum still stashing it, and that just takes us to uh, to uh, our. Binance token, and that is the BNB token. Now, Binance, like I was just saying earlier, I have moved, uh, you know, my Bitcoin and you know some of my Solana. I moved it off of Binance, got it in my FTX exchange wallet. So I'm, uh, you know, dabbling it up, you know, enjoying both. You know, why not? Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, Binance, great coin, still doing good. You know, for the week, up about seven percent. It's up at about four hundred and seventy dollars right now. Now I've had it at 700, I've had it at 300, I've had it at four or five. So, you know, hodl baby, hodl baby. Now I'm starting to waddle. Maybe I'll sell these Binance coins. I don't know, but uh, it's still fun. So let's go on to the next one. And that's called Sov. Now I've talked about Sovereign a lot and uh, we uh, went down a little bit, folks. So, uh, hmm, it happens. But again, Right now, Sob just took a nice, a nice crypto dip. And if you've ever held an altcoin, baby, you got to know this is how it goes. Sob is down about 30%. And, uh, you know, I wish I uh, had enough RBTC. Now, any of my sovereign users out there, you'd know that sometimes you don't have enough RBTC in your wallet to actually do some of the conversions and whatnot. So uh, I wish I would have converted some of my Sob tokens into some some stable coin maybe when it was up around 44 45 bucks but hey i'm here i'm i'm in here for the long run baby we are yield farming on sob we are just stacking up them sob tokens we staking sob tokens so 
you know, hopefully they shoot back up, baby, because then I'm converting them all into Bitcoin and sending them to my cold storage wallet. That's what we got this this week, folks. That's what's in the bag. That's what we're still stashing. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, a really healthy uh, weekend. And uh, we can't wait to see what the future holds. Stash it. And that's a wrap, folks. Thank you so much for being here with us. Like I always say, don't forget to check those show notes. I got a great one. And that is Letters to the Universe. It is one of my newest favorite books, and it is the love of my life's fourth published book. You can find it on Amazon.com, Simon & Schuster, anywhere you like to buy books. It's going to be on the shelves at Barnes & Noble. Go in there, get it. It's going to be a great stocking stuffer. Get it for every single person you love. Letters to the Universe. It's going to be an interactive journal that's going to help you manifest, set goals, and achieve your dreams, baby. But like I said in the beginning of this show, folks, it took over 4,000 people, your ancestors, some ancestral math to get you to this point today. That was a lot of ups, downs, in-betweens, a lot of struggle and a lot of joy. So just remember, it's all about balance, baby. Love yourself. Stop judging yourself and you will stop judging others so much and you will love so much more. And that's what it's all about, baby. It's about love. So like we always say, stash it.